Welcome, everybody, to Web and Beyond Live for March 8th, 2021. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable web and WordPress hosting, domain name registration services, and other web-related work for small business. And so Web and Beyond Live is my chance each week to discuss with you topical and timely issues relating to digital marketing and productivity technologies. Uh, they're all the things that I think you need in order to be successful in marketing and managing on the web, mobile, social media, and beyond today. And so feel free to ask questions if you're here with me live. And of course, I'll do my best to answer those uh, while we are. But if you're watching the replay or listening to the podcast afterward, feel free to leave a question in the comments shoot me a message and I'll be happy to go ahead and answer those always available on Twitter. So feel free to go ahead and tweet at me at W the number three W three consulting. All right. Today, we have lots of really great news. I just wanted to pop in with one uh, little uh, a note or announcement regarding the uh, show itself. So some of you may have noticed this going to it, but I have launched a new website using the domain webandbeyondlive.com. So now if you go to webandbeyondlive.com, you're going to go to the page. Actually, you'll see the embedded existing shows. Uh, if you just click on the little three bars icon in the embedded video, you'll see all the back catalog of Web and Beyond Lives. But as well, uh, at the very top of the page, you'll see Watch Live on YouTube. And if you just click on that Watch Live on YouTube, that will take you to the most uh, current uh, channel page, which will have the existing show, and you'll be able to just click on play and watch the show live each week. So just so you're aware that we have that new webandbeyondlive.com, so you'll be able to join us and come to the show just by going to web and beyond live it'll take you to that page and then that'll redirect you over to youtube if you want to engage in the conversation those kinds of things but if you just want to watch the show generally uh, you'll just come to this page and like i said if you just click on watch live on youtube you'll then be taken over to the watch live on youtube uh, to the youtube channel and that youtube channel will go ahead and take you over there so uh, that little bit out of the way, what I wanted to do is just get a, get a couple of little um, notes of information out to you regarding news this week. And today's real crux, I wanted to talk about the WordPress update to Gutenberg 10.1 which is out now and is uh, an interesting kind of uh, dialogue that we should have about the coming uh, Google Core Web Vitals and a little bit of errata that I wanted to correct from when I talked about the Google uh, core web vitals discuss discussion uh, way back uh, a few uh, months ago and I want to just kind of correct those pieces and then we'll close out for the day so first and foremost uh, let's talk about the restaurant situation and retail situation really in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic and so as you are probably aware we are still in the midst of it, and people are getting vaccinated. This is wonderful to hear. Uh, we are going to have uh, enough vaccine for everyone in the in the United States to be vaccinated uh, uh, in the next couple of months, according to the president. And so, very excited uh, about all of that. Except we're still in the midst of all of the various problems. And uh, as the Wall Street Journal is noting here, uh, restaurants that are reopening are still struggling. And so we need to do everything possible to help restaurant and retail and ourselves in line with that. And I was thinking just as I was reading this, how much we have the capability of actually helping one another by partnering with restaurants and retail uh, establishments to be able to potentially provide services in in uh, cooperation or providing services in and around restaurants so like start ideating getting creative with those restaurants and retail environments to see whether or not there are some opportunities to be able to uh, 
create a marketing alliance. For example, if you provide a product or service that is closely aligned with a particular rate retail business, whether they be service or product, then you may be wanting to do that work maybe in person in that environment with all of the safety protocols in, in mind and so on and so forth uh, so that you bring maybe some of your audience to the retail store and vice versa. The retail store has people who are trafficking that store and therefore they will come into contact with you and that might help maybe alleviate some fears that people have about coming and, and doing business in person. And again, like I said, this all has to be done following all the regulation and compliance issues in your particular area, but also making uh, sure that you are going above and beyond to make sure that people feel safe and are uh, coming to retail and supporting retail in that way. So I just this article is again it, it just goes to show that we're still not out of the woods here we're going to have some some more quarters that are going to be difficult for some businesses and we need to do everything we can to to do this safely but also helping people get back to business and get back to buying you know because that's a really important part of this obviously with the new uh, stimulus package that is coming through the covid-19 relief bill that is coming through uh, congress right now hopefully the president will sign that some part this this week when that happens you know another $1400 is going to get deposited into the bank of many americans that's going to stimulate some uh, purchase and uh, making sure that we are ready for them to come back out and do that stuff is going to be really important but you know several states have gone back into lockdowns so just kind of keep that in mind and if you have any questions about your particular business and how you're you're going to face that let me know and i'll, I'll see what i can do to help and and provide some guidance there all right next up is just a quick note about the uh, un unfortunate far-right uh, social network called gab uh, gab has been hacked and it looks like you know it's just a, a a reality factor that this platform uh, should be uh, DOA at this point. It should it should really be uh, it should be done with. And uh, I don't know why uh, this particular you know set of folks continue to fund this organization and try and push it forward. But it clearly has had enough reputational damage, and now it's been hacked. And this is just a terrible situation. And this kind of brings up the next point, which is that if you have a Microsoft account, uh, you have been implicated in a uh, in foreign, you know, hack. And so they're saying 60,000 businesses that are part of Microsoft 365 have been implicated in that hack. And so they should, uh, you should presume that your, your account has been compromised. I mean, that's what you should do right now. And so therefore, change all passwords, make sure that if you have two-factor authentication not turned on, turn that on. Uh, absolutely turn on multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication on your account. What that will mean is that your phone will be bound to your account. There, You'll install an application, the Microsoft Authentication app or the Microsoft Authenticator app. You could also use the Google Authenticator app or another tool like LastPass has one and, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you do that, uh, you will then have the capability of, I'm going to just take this down for a moment while I'm while I'm talking to you. Um, so what, what will happen is when you uh, set up the Microsoft Authenticator app or whatever else, when you go to Microsoft and go into your Microsoft 365 account, you will then be able to uh, bind your account to that phone, meaning that you, you must have that phone in order to log into your Microsoft account, which doesn't happen all the time, but it's just good to now have that protection so that no one can access your account without your phone having, having access to it. Uh, now, this particular hack 
I'm, I'm not quite sure about the details yet about it, whether or not they've had access beyond and behind the scenes, in essence, having access to databases and so on and so forth, meaning that they didn't need your account credentials in order to get in. But uh, this is not a time to be thinking, uh, you know, uh, you know, about, oh, well, you know, it's inconvenient or the, all those kinds of things. Your business data is so important. You do not want to have to go through the data breach notification compliance in your state uh, and have to start notifying all of your clients that your data has been has been breached uh, in these kinds of circumstances. And so just making sure that you do what you need to do to protect your accounts. So this is the time to just set up two-factor authentication and start thinking about how you are provisioning your data to secure uh, your customers from this and pay attention if you are a Microsoft account user, uh, a 365 user, make sure that you're paying attention to what Google, um, what Google, what Microsoft is uh, saying publicly uh, about what businesses should do who are affected in, in terms of whether or not the data was actually breached, whether or not they actually saw data, right? Because you can take the data, but it might be encrypted as a blob. And so therefore that blob is not really usable or readable. And so in your state, you may have to still do a data breach notification to your clients and letting them know, yes, they accessed our account, but they did not get access to the data. So just be mindful of the fact that that is uh, currently a, an ongoing situation. You know, we're read, I read about it at the end of last week, and now this morning they're talking, instead of 30,000 businesses that have been affected, they're saying 60,000. So the number uh, just doubled over the weekend. So we can only imagine that there have been many, many more you know, impacts on this. And who knows uh, why this particular foreign actor is doing this, but we should not take uh, this line down. We should we should absolutely be proactive in doing what we can now, uh, since we know this has been going on since January. Okay, so beyond Gab, let's move on to uh, perhaps some, some happier news. Uh, I saw this report on Smart Insights, which was a recent study done on hashtags. And this is so powerful uh, in terms of data that I just am so excited to see this happening. Now, this happened to have been back from 2019, and I just hadn't seen it. So this is new to me, but I'm uh, bringing it to your attention in case it's new to you also. But this particular study, in essence, uh, watched hashtags that were being used on Instagram. And I can only think and extrapolate that this actually probably makes sense across all social networks that have hashtag capabilities now, which is pretty much all of the major social networks. Twitter, of course, started uh, with hashtags very early on. Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn um, have hashtags. So you are capable of using this hashtagging across a lot of them. You can even do this in YouTube. Uh, so as much as you can use hashtags, we know that using hashtags properly increases the number of followers and residual or uh, broadening the concentric circles of your visibility to those social networks and the users of those social networks. So definitely keep in mind how you're using hashtags in order to be found. And so there are lots of, of um, you know, idiosyncrasies uh, between social networks about how you should use hashtags and when you should use hashtags. But the reality is, is that use a few of them on most of the social networks that cover the specific topics around your particular business. Uh, as you are doing that, you are capable of using the keywords from the posts that you are, are posting. So for example, if my post is about, uh, you know, time management, I would hashtag it, you know, time management. Uh, if it is about uh, time management and time blocking, uh, then I'm going to hashtag it those two things, but I'm not going to put in uh, 15 you know, hashtags in a tweet, for example. Uh, in On Instagram, however, you can have up to 30 
hashtags per post. And if you include those inside of both the description for your Instagram post or as the first comment underneath the post, those 30 hashtags are fully, you know, like it's just normal. It's a part of the culture. It is a moray on Instagram. So go ahead and do that. You want to you want to be able to use these kinds of uh, topical uh, keywords, but also audience-based hashtags. So you really want to think about it from the perspective of who in your who are you trying to reach, and how do you put those hashtags that might be audience-related? And then especially for location-based businesses, here you can see place hashtags correctly. Um, I think that hashtags also need to be uh, placed not only correctly, but for location. So place for me is location and thinking about the various uh, places you are 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 trying to uh, uh, be found on your various social profile posts. You need to start thinking, okay, I'm not just ha hashtagging for topics and relevant keywords to the business, but I also need to be hashtagging for location. And so often people are not hashtagging for location. You you may uh, also uh, uh, bind your your post to a location. For example, you can set the location of a post on Twitter and Instagram and other places, Facebook and otherwise. But uh, beyond that, you also want to be hashtagging because people are looking for you know things that are hashtagged in particular locations. And those location hashtags over time create greater uh, signals to the search engine on those social networks to find you and present your content to the people who are looking for that stuff. So Make sure that you're using location-focused hashtags as much as you are relevant hashtags for the people and the topics. So it's people, place, and topics regarding hashtags. So this study was just really, really interesting, and it just queued up that whole point for me that we really need to be thinking about how we, how we use hashtags to influence growth on social networks. All right, uh, just a quick note about this. Google recently put out a <laughs> one one reporter, I think I've got the article here. Uh, he called it the non-announcement announcement. Where, where is it? There it is, Google's non-announcement announcement regarding the uh, removal of uh, third-party cookies. Uh, you may have heard about this, and the reality is, is that uh, whatever you're hearing out there in the ad industry, uh, uh, you know, from the news regarding Google's uh, discussion about, in essence, the concept of removing uh, ad targeting using cookies is going to not really be a problem for you or for really any uh, person using Google Ads. Now, of course, this is going to upset some of our folks uh, on in in the rivals to Google. So Facebook and other folks are, are obviously, uh, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do. But in essence, the core to this is that Google's technology has just basically matured, and they are doing all kinds of technolo technological connection in the background that, in essence, means that they can phase out third-party cookies. And just to explain this a little bit, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but uh, cookies are basically temporary files that are placed on your computer or your mobile device would be a phone or a tablet and what it does is it comes from the browser or comes from a, um, an application and it goes ahead and creates a either persistent meaning you know a long-term or short-term identification of you and the device that's that it's sitting on so it can, can, can connect uh, particular types of data uh, to each other so for example if you log into uh, facebook on your phone facebook can go ahead and identify that you're logged in on that phone when you come back to facebook now of course cookies have been used for all kinds of other reasons beyond that including with targeted advertising now there has been a 
a kind of reckoning that as more people are become aware of the fact that there, that this uh, cookie technology has been used, uh, it has also been abused. And so Google has been doing as best as they can to deal with that abuse uh, while at the same time getting that data because at the end of the day, there are people like, you know, uh, this person who's writing for Wired that says, oh, we should just ban targeted advertising. I'll explain why that's bad, uh, just so that you're aware. Uh, we, we shouldn't ban tag targeted advertising uh, because the reality is, is that targeted advertising is what allows us as small business owners to compete with uh, big box and with large organizations who want to be able to get in front of their audience, have the dollars to be able to spray and pray that their uh, information will, their, their uh, ads will get in front of those people. Uh, for those of us who don't have the budgets to be able to do that, we need targeted advertising to be able to surgically place the right ads in front of the right people to be able to get our message out because we can't spend $100,000 or $200,000 a month to be able to get in front of the right people by blanketing everybody with ads. And this is one of those things where there's a balance, right? We don't need uh, targeted advertising to be able to target me, right? We, we don't want ads that can do, I want to find Ray Sidney Smith and place an ad in front of him, right? That's a little bit too creepy. But we also want to be able to say, I want to find all small business entrepreneurs in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and those small business entrepreneurs, I actually want to only see those that are female entrepreneurs between 45 and 65 who are doing a service or professional type business. That kind of targeting allows me to be able to say, those are my target audience, those are the people I want to speak to, and I want to be able to put an ad in front of those people. And uh, that kind of targeted advertising is really powerful, it's really efficient, and we need to, we need to make sure that we are not, uh, you know, uh, by, for lack of a better analogy, throwing uh, you know the the baby out with the bathwater, right? We want to make sure that we are still utilizing technology for the things that are good, while while monitoring and managing the ills. And of course, third party uh, cookie, third party identifier abuse is certainly a good thing for us. But we need to make sure that we are not uh, utilizing this for uh, for ill. Now, I I respect this author's perspective, which in this particular case, he's talking about uh, news organizations and how news organizations have really just been advertising supported for so long, and they really haven't pivoted. That's created this whole Google News and Facebook News problem that we've seen with both misinformation and disinformation, but also the idea that Google or Facebook or other kinds of search engines should be paying the news organizations for displaying their news articles to the audiences that read Google News and Facebook and so on and so forth. And of course, I'm on the side that no, those organizations should uh, be thankful that Google and Facebook and otherwise are displaying that content uh, to their audience. They are bringing more eyeballs to the news that otherwise wouldn't see it. But I, I very much am uh, against the idea that we should just ban targeted advertising blanketly. We couldn't even do it in reality. I mean, you know, we've been doing this offline for years. Uh, people uh, do surveys of their uh, newspaper audience, and those surveys then uh, dictate what kinds of ads get placed into the newspaper. If you have a newspaper about uh, if you have a newspaper about you know some specific topic like knitting, then you're going to get people who are advertising uh, knitting or knitting focused topics to people who knit. Right? That's just that's targeted advertising. So the idea that we can get rid of it in in uh, all you know altogether is is kind of a silly notion. But I just wanted to uh, bring some attention to that so that you're aware that as you're hearing people talk about targeted advertising, 
it's not the problem. The problem is the abuse of these uh, so that we can actually get back to doing the business we need to as small business owners, which is putting the right ads in front of the right people so that we can minimize our costs and grow our businesses. Okay. Last but not least, I wanted to spend some time talking about WordPress and Gutenberg. And I know that many of you are running WordPress websites. And if you're not running a WordPress website, this still matters to you because of the Google Core Web Vitals update that is coming in May. And so I would snap back to my episode a few episodes ago that I covered on this topic. Let me see if I can find the uh, the topic, uh, the, the episode that I did it on. So the topic I did it on was, this is some time ago now, uh, so December 21st, 2020, we did a Google Core Web Vitals algorithm change in 2021 episode. So if you hop over there, you will see that episode. And in that episode, I talked about the fact that Google has new metrics for being able to determine whether or not they show your website to people that show up on the search engine results pages more or less, uh, SERPs, right? Search engine results pages, the SERPs. And so your SERP visibility will be determined in part by your core web vitals. And what that really means is that Google is updating their algorithm for the speed at which your site loads, the, uh, the display of that content quickly, and the, the stability of the display of that content. And a little bit of errata, when I did that episode, I'm pretty sure that I misspoke regarding the measurement for uh, for for shift, basically cumulative, cumulative layout shift. I must have noted somewhere in that episode that it was about uh, seconds or something like that, but it was actually about movement, about the amount of movement of things in display. So when you o- open up a website and things move around, it, Google's actually measuring the amount of movement, not the seconds or the time frame uh, that things uh, stay out of shift. And so that's my own uh, correction. So uh, there we have that. Either way, Uh, Google, I'm sorry, Automatic, which runs the WordPress.org project, has recently released uh, Gutenberg 10.1. Gutenberg is the block-based editor that you should uh, be familiar with now if you're using the latest version of the website. And you will see these Google Gutenberg, (laughs) I keep saying Google today, Gutenberg content blocks. Uh, These blocks are fungible units. They're movable uh, units on the page and that allows you a lot of flexibility with being able to create columns and moving things around in the interface. Uh, This is very powerful and it allows you to, to, in essence, uh, build pages for your website, both on the on the page side, but also in posts, blog posts and podcast episodes to be able to just really have a lot of control over the, the content on your page. Well, WordPress realized that with the Core Web Vitals update that Gutenberg's existing infrastructure was really uh, quite uh, bad when it came to the Core Web Vitals. And I'm just really pleased with the latest version, which is Gutenberg 10.1 that just recently released a few days ago. And in essence, 10.1 now addresses code bloat, uh, which means that it does a whole bunch of stuff in order to be able to increase the speed of your WordPress website when it loads 
for Google's purposes. So you can see here this particular example, this uh, person who wrote this article uh, did some, uh, some tests to show the difference between Core Web Vitals before Gutenberg's 10.1 and after. And as you can see here, that first Contentful Paint was at 1.6 seconds. Uh, it dropped to 0.9 seconds after the update, and it pretty much halved across the board for all of these left-hand side items. Now, you can see that for time, uh, time to interactive and total uh, blocking time, we don't have that much of a reduction, uh, but it's pretty good. Uh, so it went from, uh, from 1.6 uh, to 1.2. You can see total blocking time 70 milliseconds to 250 milliseconds. Uh, not that great, but not particularly worried about that. I would be far more concerned about passing, in essence. It's a pass-fail, by the way. So Google Core, Core Web Vitals is a pass-fail when Google sees it, right? You either pass it or you fail it, and they show you more to the search engine results pages or not. So see these greens are the tests that Google does within the Google Page Speed Insights tool, and then you get to, in essence, pass or fail, okay? And you can see all of these pass, but definitely increasing the metrics on the speed at which your site starts showing is a really, really good point here. So couple of action items. One is you need to go out there and make sure you are updating your WordPress installation to the latest versions so that you have Google's <laughs> uh, Gutenberg's 10.1 update and the latest version of all of the various plugins and themes that support Gutenberg 10.1. So make sure that you're doing that part first. Uh, secondarily, uh, if you are not on WordPress and in therefore not getting the benefits of Gutenberg 10.1, now is the time. You have just a couple more months before May uh, you know, the May change happens and Core Web Vitals becomes a ranking factor. And I'm presuming it will become a significant ranking factor uh, in the short term, uh, you know, meaning that drastic things will happen to websites that are not doing it. And then over time, it'll become mediated and more and more people will come back online. But if you don't want to lose a lot of traffic very quickly when uh, the, the core web vitals goes into place, you, you need to absolutely uh, jump on this and get this figured out for your websites that are not uh, WordPress Gutenberg 10.1. Obviously, WordPress.org knew this was coming. They wanted to make sure that the sites were prepared for that. Those of you who are off WordPress and are, say, on Squarespace, on Wix, on, on another uh, CMS content management system, you want to make sure that you're talking to your providers and seeing what needs to be done to make sure that you are out there doing that. If you snap back to that, that December episode I talked about before, in that episode, there are links to the tests you can do on your website to make sure that you are properly ranking. And so with that, uh, we have kind of reached the uh, top of our time together today, and I really appreciate you spending uh, this time with me. And so if you've enjoyed the live stream, always click the thumbs up icon. That really helps us uh, make new small business friends. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, and then if you have a question, feel free to leave a comment in the chat. I'm always uh, happy to take comments and questions. And you can also, of course, tweet or message me at W3Consulting on Twitter, W, the number three, consulting on Twitter. And uh, feel free to comment or uh, ask a question uh, through direct message there. I'll be happy to answer your questions. Uh, you can always join us on Mondays here live at 11 a.m. Eastern if you happen to be watching the live stream after the fact or via podcast. And then otherwise, thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead marketing and managing on the Web and Beyond. Take care, everybody.